Okie dokie, folks. Welcome to the Roots Report podcast, presented by Motif Magazine and sponsored by Providence Brewing Company, Rhode Island Blood Center, Providence Ballet Theater, Jane Adams Resource Corporation, Trinity Brewhouse, and Mother Earth Wellness. I am your host, John Fusick. Today we have actor, singer, musician, composer, and record producer Ted Neely. Ted is best known for portraying Jesus Christ in the film Jesus Christ Superstar and on stage. Ted Neely will will be at the Greenwich Odium on June 24th when he and other cast members from the 1973 film will host a 50th anniversary screening conversation and meet and greet. Ted Neely here. How are you, sir? All right. How are you? Thanks for calling. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Thanks for being interested. My oh, goodness. I Very mean, kind of you. Who wouldn't be interested? I mean, I've, I grew up with your your film oh my god really <laughs> seriously i i saw that i saw jesus christ superstar in the movies when it came out in 1973 my goodness that means you're 12 years old right <laughs> i was yeah i was 12 in that i was 12 in um in 73 yeah incredible yeah, yeah it's, I, i'm amazed i you know i can't tell you how amazed i am that this baby is still out there you know and people are still seemingly interested well, 50 years later it's you know a, it's a great film i mean some people i i I've seen. I've actually seen you live too a couple of times. Oh, really? I've seen. Now, now wait. I have to correct you. I died years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Funny. Uh, That's it. I uh, yeah, I've seen you in when you reprised your roles uh, a couple of times, um, and they were. Do you probably... remember who? Do you remember who was playing Judas when you saw it? Um, I think Carl was doing it. Oh, when I saw thank it. goodness! Yeah, it the was... best ever. So. Ah. So you're, you're coming to the Odium to celebrate the 50th anniversary of the release of Jesus Christ Superstar, and you're bringing uh, Bob Bingham and Larry Marshall, who played uh, Caiaphas and Simon, with you? Well, actually, Larry, no. Larry, bless his heart, uh, uh, got, believe it or not, run over by a truck. Oh, my gosh. Oh, Is yeah. He... This, this this happened several weeks ago. He, he's, he survived. But, oh, okay. uh they're in a lawsuit. There's all kinds of crazy stuff going. Literally, he was walking down the street and a truck ran over him. Wow. And what's really odd is a dear friend of mine named James O'Neill that I've worked with forever. We have a theater out here in California. The same thing happened to him like a week before that. I know this is off the beat, but I interviewed a comedian, uh, Ryan Hamilton, a uh, yeah. few months ago, and the same thing happened to him. He got blown over <laughs> by a bus, and he was out of commission for like six months a year because he had, you know, was in such bad shape. Yeah, it's in, it's insane. So I, I just wonder, are the, are the, the trucking organizations uh, angry with people who walk down the street or something? I, I think it's phones. I think it's mobile phones. I, I could not agree with you more. I'm glad you answered that way, because that's what I say to everybody. They're I, I, all drunk, talking on the phone. You yeah, know? I mean, I yesterday I was in Providence. I was just sitting in a light, and I'm watching somebody cross the street, and they did not bring up their eyes once, and they continued walking, staring at the phone. And uh, I see people FaceTiming while they're walking all the time, and it's like they're holding the phone in front of their face with their friend talking to them on video, and they're not even watching where they're going. And it's just, this is probably why. It's just things like that. And I know people do it while they're driving, too, so... It's amazing. Well, I, 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 I'm sorry I'm laughing, but no, it's, just it's insane. It's ah. it's the phone zombies, so. <laughs> I like that. May I use it? Phone oh, I got that from somebody zombies, else. Phone zombies. Here comes the phone zombies. <laughs> <laughs> 
how are things going for you? Good. I, I um, I'm a musician as well. I've been playing for oh, about yeah? 50 years. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, that's why I like talking to people because I like hearing their stories and you know comparing it to mine and seeing where I stand sometimes and sometimes getting frustrated and sometimes not. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, you sing and play guitar? I do. Yeah, I, I write my own music. I I, uh, I play in a band. I do all. I I run a I run a folk festival. I write a music wow. column. So I'm all I'm music all around. So that's incredible, man. Yeah, it keeps me it keeps me in it. So that's the way I started out. I was a screaming rock and roll drummer for years. Oh, you were a drummer? I, yeah. Oh, I yeah. didn't know you were a drummer. I thought you were a vocalist in a band. Well, I was the lead singer too from the drums. Oh, <laughs> kind of like Levon. Levon. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, yeah. And I loved every minute of it, I tell you. If I hadn't have been doing it, I never would have gotten into what I'm doing and have been doing for, for years. And it's all about as a result of my band traveling around and came out to California from Texas and bingo, things started out. So You live in California now, right? Yeah, uh-huh, yeah. What part of California do you live in? I'm, I'm in the area near Santa Barbara. Oh, okay. It's about, you know, 60 miles north of uh, Los Angeles. Nice. I've been, out to, I've been out there a few times. It's nice out there. I'm just afraid of earthquakes. well i gotta tell you the way it's been literally we're still in the winter here really absolutely yes we have not seen well let me just say this we 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 were in so without any sort of rain for so long drought was just insane and come around december the rain started falling and then it became flood season (laughs) and and literally it's still winter time right now i'm looking window and it's gray and cloudy and you can't see any sun at all and even when the sun is shining it's there's a cold wind blowing all the time so wow. yeah they, they they they're not they they're now calling it gray may and we're headed for zoom gloom <laughs> <laughs> I wish I was over there just so we could talk face to face because I'm having fun right this well, good. that'd be cool well maybe when you come to the odium I can talk to you for a minute I would love that. That'd that would be, cool. be great. You started in a rock band, and then your rock band, which I read, I mean, I tried to access your website, and for some reason my computer wouldn't let me access it, so I had to go to your Wikipedia page. And I hope what I bring up isn't inaccurate, because sometimes Wikipedia is not accurate. But yeah. you, it said that your band was on the marquee in a Dragnet episode. Yep. Is, when was that, 1967, I think it said? No, no uh, it was in 1962. Oh, 62? Wow. Yeah. So you the, way, been... the reason it happened, we <laughs> we played all during high school, you know, and our parents were so proud of us. And the reason that we played and, and did well was we were the only band in the town. <laughs> <laughs> we were the only band in the county, literally, you know. I mean, there were only 1,900 people in my hometown. So oh, the, wow. you know, we were big stars, I'm telling you. <laughs> Our families all collectively got together and said, we're so proud of you boys. This summer, now that you've graduated from high school, this summer you can go anywhere in America you want to, but you got to come home in the fall to go to college. So we chose California. Cool. And we literally worked our way from city to city to city, nightclub to nightclub <laughs> to get to California. And when we got out to California, that was during the period of, uh, of, of, of surfer music. Okay, now we're a Texas band and... <laughs> We were we were a copy band, or I should say a tribute band. We were the first tribute band, yes. We did everybody else's music, literally. So when we got to California, we became so successful because we were the only band that wasn't playing 
surfer music. Really? Yeah, and all the clubs were packed with people from the entertainment industry, singers, dancers, actors, musicians, directors, right? all of that, you see. So we, no matter where we went, we were followed by a lot of those folks. Nice. And one said something else to something else to something else, and we were headed back home for college. And when we got home, we were all noticed at the draft. That was during Vietnam. Oh, yeah, that's true. So what okay. happened? Our dreams, you know, exploded right there. Well, literally, we all passed the, the test, you know, and we're headed. we got a date. We have to go do our war thing. And one week, literally, before we were supposed to report for duty, I got this message from the draft board saying, Dear Mr. Neely, we've just found out that you are sole support of your mother, so you don't have to go. You believe that? How about the rest of the band? The guys had to go. Oh. They all had Oh, and it was horrible. They all came back alive. Oh, but that's good. Where I'm coming from is then my family, bless their hearts, all of my aunts, uncles, cousins who were taking care of my mom literally while I'm out on the road with the band. <laughs> they, said, they said, Ted, uh, we are proud of you. We think you should uh, go back to California and do your dream because uh, we'll take care of your mom like we have been doing. So get out there and do it. Wow, that's great. That was... California alone. And, you know, I put charts together and started singing in nightclubs. And next thing you know, I'm getting on the Smothers Brothers show and the Tonight Show and all that sort of thing happened. And one thing led to something else. And then, by golly, I got into the show Hair. And then I got into Superstar and then Tommy and then Sergeant Pepper and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> now, now, I read that you were on the episode of the Smothers Brothers that was caused it to get canceled. Yep. What happened? Why, forget what happened on that because I used to they watch heard, the Smothers heard Brothers. I was on the show and they canceled it. <laughs> That wasn't true. No, no, they were, they, they were apparently having problems with the with the network, and uh, by that I mean personal problems, and Tom was always talking to me about it, or what this, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, the thing what happened was they had a sketch that was really outrageously funny. Sure, because that show was great. I love that show. Oh, yeah, but not only was it outrageously funny, it was a little, uh, shall we say, off-key, you know, <laughs> suggestions of certain things and so on, you know. <laughs> and so they canceled it, just like that. They canceled them that was it it says that show has never aired but is it out there anywhere do you know i have no idea absolutely oh. yeah, literally but you know that it's crazy that 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 happened that yeah. bless your heart so yeah. great just incredible yeah, i mean you, you were on I'm a lot talking, of those shows i'm yammering away here and i'm, I'm getting in the way of your <laughs> oh no it's it's great i this is it's i just you know I, the way i look at it i just try to have conversations like we're talking and i you know i try to throw in stuff that i'm interested in but i you know i kind of well, just let, let the thing happen the way it's going to happen please carry on because i'm loving it <laughs> And I'm not in a hurry, so it's cool. Oh, you know? great, great. You were on Sonny and Cher. You were on The Tonight Show. You were on all these shows. That's, you know, before yeah. you were on Jesus and Jesus Christ Superstar, correct? Right, wow. yes. So, and before I was in Hair. You know, the Hair was the first show that I got to be in. All of that. So now, uh, this is the it, question. It, I, got, did, I got into Hair completely by accident. Did you have your clothes on during Hair? Yes, thank you very much. <laughs> I'm so happy I can honestly say that, yes. Because yes, I know yes, a yes. lot of them were performed in the nude. Oh, yeah. Well, well, the nude, sh <laughs> the nude. <laughs> it was the way they closed out the first act. Yeah, because I've seen it a couple of times. and it, it, okay. it, Even the local production did it like that when I saw it a few years ago. All right. Now, I was the guy that played Claude Hooper Bukowski. Oh, the guy okay. That sang the song, Where Do I Go, Follow the Thunder? Or, right. 
my character didn't have to t- drop his drawers, literally. <laughs> you know, everybody else did it. <laughs> <laughs> I was so proud I didn't have to do that. Oh, my God. <laughs> So how long did that run for? Oh, God, hair in. I was in hair for almost three years. Oh, wow. They got me the Los Angeles production, and when it ran out, then they took our whole entire company back to Broadway, and then it ran for another couple of years then. So I got into that show completely by accident. I didn't even audition. Can I tell you the story? Sure, yeah. I promise it'll make you laugh. (laughs) (laughs) Well... Okay, here we go. Now, this was in 1962, when that, that summer when we went out there. Uh-huh. And the people who came to see us became really good followers in the nightclubs. There was, there was a group of five actors who came to see us in almost every club we played in, no matter whether it was Los Angeles or Santa Monica or whatever it was, you know. And uh, the, the theaters, that, excuse me, the, the bars that we played in were so happy that they had packed houses all the time. They they said to us, you know, it, after the show finishes and we're closing down the the, 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 the bar here, it'll take us about an hour to get it all seen. So if you guys would like to stay here and have some friends hang out for an hour after you finish playing, uh, that'd be fine. And... <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, it's, it's such a great memory. Uh, so one night when they were there, one of the actors said, hey, hey, T. Ted, are you working in the day tomorrow? And I said, no, no, you know, we work nights, man. <laughs> he said, I, I said, why? He said, well, the five of us have an audition tomorrow for a new Broadway show, and we would love it if you could come and see what we actors have to go through to get a job. Can you come? So I went, yeah, sure. So I went to the <laughs> place where they were doing the audition and in the parking lot of this theater they were looked like there were millions of people there to audition for this show and so the actors came over and said ted we're so sorry we didn't know there were going to be so many people here so if you don't follow us and do pretty much what we say and do they won't even let you go in you know i i didn't know anything about actors equity or anything i, I knew nothing about theater i'd never even been to a theater because we didn't have one in my hometown <laughs> okay so <laughs> i follow them and i do what they they were doing and we uh, they gave us no numbers and names and all that sort of stuff and we finally got into the theater itself and we're in the lobby we can hear the music going on but we can't see anything it's, you know you just a piano player and a singer you know so when they finally called the number of these five guys they all we all went in together they, they sat us down in a row and then they called each one of their names and they went up one at a time to audition and I was blown away because they, they never even got to sing a full song <laughs> literally for those auditions they'd give them like a verse and a hook and that's it bye you know so the guys did their thing and they got ready to go to leave and they came back up to the row where i was and i got out to leave and they picked me up literally and carried me down the aisle (laughs) and threw me on the stage i'm not lying this is exactly what happened now keep in mind when they're doing auditions the theaters are completely dark there's only, only light in the building is the light over the piano player so i when the guys threw me down they, they all took off and i'm what is going on here man see i didn't know but they had worked with the director before and they set it up so that i could come up there and the director could hear me sing Uh-oh. he said there's a drummer we hear all the time you need to hear this guy <laughs> okay so i get up I walk over toward the piano player, and as I'm walking over, in the darkness of the building, I hear, Are you Mr. Neely? (laughs) What is going on here? Uh, uh, Yes. Uh, What have you prepared for us today, Mr. Neely? And I said, Nothing. I don't even know what you do. (laughs) 
I'm, I'm a drummer. I don't know any. Uh, what, what? What do you mean prepare? He said, well, are you a singer, Mr. Neely? Yes. Could you sing us a rock and roll song? Something that shows your rhythm and your you know, ability to rock out. I said, okay, okay. Walk over to the piano player and I said, uh, do you know Stevie Wonder's version of For Once in My Life? He said, yeah, what key? How to just play it, I'll sing. So I sang a piece of it and stopped and then started to walk away. And uh, then the voice says, uh, pardon me, Mr. Neely, but uh, could you sing us a love song? Something that shows your passion and your ability to, you know, blah, blah, blah. So I walked over to the piano player and I said, same song, think Tony Bennett. So I sang song twice. Okay. They didn't hire any of the actors and they hired me. <laughs> Because I could sing the way they wanted me to sing. Okay, well, that director that was directing Hair, his name's Tom O'Horrigan, that brilliant, wonderful director, he's no longer with us. But he took me under his arm as if I was his son. I was playing the central character of the show, take the song. And one of those led to another. He, I did I did Hair and Superstar and Tommy and Sergeant Pepper. He directed three of those, or I wouldn't have been in any of those. And then when we were putting Tommy together, the director told me, oh, by the way, Ted, uh, your buddy Tom O'Organ told me I need to have you to sing Tommy, so that's why you're here. <laughs> if it hadn't been for that director, I'd still be somewhere sitting on a drum stool screaming in the desert, I guess. you know? Well, I guess we can thank him for... for you know, 50 years of this film, which is great. No, no question. You know, and he did the, he directed the original Broadway show. So I'd say, oh, because it got to be in Superstar for that. Now, now, I read that you didn't even want to be Jesus, that you wanted to be Judas. You're absolutely right, man. When, when they told me they were going to do Jesus Christ Superstar and, and we want you to come to an audition. And so I went to New York. And it was Tom again, Tom Mahorgan. Uh, so I flew to New York and... I listened to, he said, you know, listen to the soundtrack and pick a song. So I listened and listened and listened, and I picked Judas. I had no desire whatsoever to play Jesus, because everybody in the world knows Jesus. Nobody really knows Judas, so that gave me a chance to, you know, create some kind of a crazy character. So I auditioned. I sang Heaven on Their Minds, that opening song in mm, Superstar. I love Judas that song. There were only three people except for the piano player and I, in the theater. And that was the director, Tom, and then the two producers of Superstar. And I sang the song, and when I finished, literally Tom O'Horgan jumped out of his seat and literally ran up the stage to, and gave me a monster hug. And he said, Ted, that was great. And I'm thinking, oh, God, I got the part. This is great. He said, but would you do me a favor? I said, sure. He said, could you come back tomorrow and sing The Other Guy? <laughs> Where that's what he said, the other guy. <laughs> so I went to the hotel and I listened to the songs and I picked Gethsemane and I've been singing Gethsemane ever since. That's amazing. You do, I mean, that's a song that very many. I saw actually, I saw Jesus Christ Superstar in December, I think it was the new version that toured. The guy who did it just, I. I I mean, I always love this because I love the music, but there's always, ever since, like, when you get used to seeing it as done a certain way, you like it a certain way. And this version of it was kind of, I, I don't like it when they modify it too much. And I mean, I don't yeah. mind some mods. They did a mod in the 90s that wasn't bad. But this one, like, he just, when he sang that song, he just didn't. It didn't have the the power to it that you have that you've you, you were used oh, to having. And oh, thank. That's very kind. Yeah, it's true though. I mean, you. I mean, you own that song. When you sing that, you own that song. I mean, that's that is your. I mean, that's any version is just that's 
you you own it. So I mean, it's amazing that it's just that. I mean, everybody is always. I'm always going to compare anybody I see on that to you. <laughs> Would you mind if I buy you a Rolls Royce? Man? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I'm just being honest. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've seen it. I mean, this is the funny thing is that I'm not even a religious person. I just love, I love the music. I just, and I like the film too. I love the film because I love the, I love the simplicity of the film. It's not, it wasn't a big budget film. It was a very simply done film. It was very simple. There wasn't much to it. And, and you know why it was like that? Because Norman Jewison, the director of this, I don't know if you're aware of his work in films, but he's one of the most celebrated film directors in history. And uh, he had just finished doing his, uh, well, his first real musical. Uh, and he decided, he because he heard the album and fell in love with the album, and he uh, he, he decided he was going to make a film, literally. Now, uh, I got another story, if you have time to listen. Yes, I've always got time. Okay, good. What so, I call you for, this is why I talk to people, because I like to hear this stuff. <laughs> I love it. It's great. Okay. Uh, did you ever see the movie Fiddler on the Roof? I did, yes. Yeah, that was a Norman Jewison film as well. And he had just completed that one whenever he started to take us around the world to make Superstar. And the bottom line with that was there was a man in there who played uh, uh, Tevye's uh, son, and that's the same man who played Pilot in the film Superstar. Oh, wow. Uh, Barry Dennon. Great, great guy. Just dear, dear friend. He's passed on to bless his heart. But he and Norman became good buddies while they were doing Fiddler on the Roof. So now, <laughs> Norman, now I don't even know anything about Norman this when we, we were still doing uh, Superstar on Broadway. I knew Norman Jewish as a character, but I knew nothing about what he was doing at the time. So we're, they decided to do the first national tour of Superstar, and they had Carl Anderson and myself as Jesus and Judas, and it was to open at the Universal Amphitheater here in Los Angeles. And we didn't know, but Universal was all tied in with it and all, and they literally built the theater for Jesus Christ Superstar. It was an amphitheater outside at Universal. It's now, I don't know, something that they're doing something with. It used to just be a, a flatbed truck on, a, on the ground doing a, a country show, you know, mm-hmm. for doing the Universal tour anyway so forgive me but i can't tell a short story (laughs) (laughs) okay so what went down was uh one of the days when they were shooting fiddler on the roof they had a terrible uh, problem with the cameras and stuff so they missed most of the day but they were still on the set and norman came over and was talking with barry and he said you know barry i i love that album that new superstar album that you're on. It's just incredible. And I, I'm really thinking seriously about maybe making a movie about that. He says, do you uh, have any connection with Tim Rice or Andrew Lloyd Webber? And it, it, as Norman was saying that, Barry reached for his phone. You know, his phone was ringing or something. He said, excuse me just a second. He said, hello? Ah, hey, Tim. Norman wants to talk to you. Here's Norman Jewison. He sent him the phone. That's how Norman Jewison got them connected with Tim Rice to talk about the rights to do a film. Oh, oh. Now, fade out, fade in. Carl and I are at the Universal Amphitheater rehearsing to open that theater with the first national tour of Jesus Christ Superstar. And I don't know if you've been on the Universal tour or not, but they've got like 30 sound stages there, you know. You rehearse in the sound stage and then you go on and do it outside. So, bottom line here is it was a week and a half before we were opening the show and i get a call one night at three o'clock in the morning in the hotel room 
And I'm thinking, well, who's calling me now? Well, it's got to be somebody from Texas. So I answered the phone. Hello? Voice says, Ted? Yeah. Norman. Now, child, my closest buddy in the world was Norman Glenn Carroll. So I thought that's who Norman was talking to me. So I'm talking, hey, what's going on in Texas, man? <laughs> Excuse me, Ted, you, you had me mixed up with someone else. This is Norman Jewison. I fell out of bed. I, why is he calling me? What? What? I, I didn't know he was making a film called Superstar. I had no idea. See, I'm, <laughs> I'm just a doofus drummer. What do I know? So <laughs> I, 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 I go, uh, yes, sir. Uh, how are you? Oh, I'm doing great. How about you? How's your rehearsal going? She knew we were rehearsing for Superstar. So I said, oh, it's, it's great. You know, I'm, <laughs> and I'm sitting, I'm shivering. I don't know what the hell he's calling me for. <laughs> so anyway, long story short, he said, uh, well, our dear friend, Barry Denon, yours and mine, um, told me that I need to see you uh, for possibility of a role in the film I'm doing soon. And um, so that's why I'm calling. He said, I'm going to go and get this all organized. And he said, uh, you can't tell anybody there at the Universal because uh, I'll have to work out a, an arrangement with them to come and do this, the, the screen test. So just, you know, be prepared. <laughs> I'll call you the minute I've got it all set up and uh, we'll talk then. Okay. Okay, sir. Bye bye. Boom. Okay. Less than a week later, still rehearsing. And we're one week before we're going to do the opening of the show. Get a call. This time it's 6 p.m. in the evening. Ted? Yeah. The other Norman, not the guy. From okay. okay. He said, uh, I've got it worked out uh, for the screen test. So, uh, But we don't have the date set yet. Again, I just want to let you know, uh, just be prepared. And I, and I said, well, sir, uh, if, if I'm going to be prepared for a screen test, um, what is it I should be prepared with? <laughs> He said, oh, I'm sorry. He said, uh, I, I'm directing the film Jesus Christ Superstar, and I've got uh, a lot of big marquee name actors that we're working with, putting it all together, doing screen tests, so on. He said, they're all great actors, but he said, I'm just having a little trouble finding the ones that can sing the songs. And uh, Barry tells me that you can sing the songs. So I said, okay, sir. He, he said, but he said, I got to run now, and I'll call you back. <laughs> okay, so now it's the day, the night. Before opening night, and we're in the dressing rooms getting ourselves together, and the phone rings, and it's Norman Jewison again. He said, okay, Ted, I got it all worked out, uh, and uh, I'm going to be able to do this screen test in about, shall we say, a week and a half, and I'll call you back when I've got it all organized. Just, you know, be prepared. I said, okay. <laughs> and then I wait, wait. I'm sorry. Uh, if you want me to audition uh, for something in Superstar, uh, what character do you have in mind? And he said, Mary Magdalene. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what he said. <laughs> he said, well, just listen to all the songs and, and I'll let you know what we're going to do when we're there. Because Barry tells me you could sing all the songs. It doesn't matter. We'll figure it out. Okay. Now, I'm assuming since we're at Universal and they've got all those sound stages, we're in one of them. We'll, we'll have a lunch break and we'll go to the studio next door and Carl and I will sing a song and we go back to rehearsal. Guess what he did? He flew us to London. For the screen. <laughs> The Pinewood Studios for the screen test. <laughs> well, that's going to take more than a lunchtime. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got that right. <laughs> anyway, we did auditions. He sang Judas, I sang Jesus, and they, the, 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 
the team that he was working with there in the studio were applauding us like we were, you know, geniuses or something. So he, we start to walk away, and he said, hey, guys, I'd like you to do something. He says, you know that scene, Jesus and, and Judas go at each other during after the Last Supper? And I said, yes, sir, yes, sir. He said, well, could you guys do that? So we did. We did the, you know, when Jesus and Judas are going, get out, and all that sort of yeah. stuff. Anyway, he he, clapped, he loved it. He said, get it back out there and open the show, and I'll, I'll check with you later. Okay, bye. So we did it. We went out and we did the show. He said, oh, by the way, you can't tell anybody. <laughs> Until I got done. Okay, so here's Carl and I, and we, and we both have been told that he's going to come and audition us, and we go back in the studio to rehearse. Well, it just happened that that particular day, each one of us entered on opposite sides of the rehearsal room, the soundstage. Now, all the all the people are there, the cast, the crew, everybody's there. And literally, when we opened it, we opened the door almost exactly at the same time. And we saw each other across the, the stage, and we ran to each other and started hugging. And everybody's going, wrong with those guys? What are, are they falling in love with each other? <laughs> we couldn't tell anybody, okay? <laughs> Okay, so it, it definitely happened. And the bottom line here is we had to, you know, get out of the show. That's why Norman had to organize it, because the show was opening the next day. Yeah. <laughs> and we were, it was the opening of the tour. We were going to do a whole tour of the country. So he had to work it out to get us out of the show and out of this, that, and the other. And he took us to London, and we recorded the soundtrack, and bingo. So, so it, it all by accident, man. I'm telling you, if it, if him hadn't have broken down at Fiddler on the Roof and he talked to Barry, it may have never even happened. Now, you know, the biggest, I'm, the biggest coincidence, the big, well, the biggest uh, serendipitous moment is the fact that you met your wife on the cast and the shooting. Ah, you know this? Yes, yes. you met your What's wife, at, and that you've been together that long. That's amazing. That's great. Oh, yes, yeah, she's still putting up with me. <laughs> why or how but she is <laughs> i mean that that your whole life was has been like has been encompassed by this 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 uh the all these full circumstances that you keep winding up in and it's dictated your life but it's been amazing yeah, absolutely right I, I i call it you know being in the right place at the right time even if you're the wrong person you know <laughs> i mean it's just all these lucky ha happenstance but you have the talent to back it up but i mean the fact that you got all of these by chance i mean and like i said and the icing on the cake is the fact that you met your wife who you've been with for 50 years yes you know, and and imagine this i can add another you know impossibility to that particular essence okay now he took us to israel you know to make the film he shot it in any desert anywhere but he wanted us to feel the essence of what we were pretending to be you know and both make the right decision it was absolutely amazing you know and you know at the same at the time it was during the the the, the, the six-day war that yeah. was going on we were told it was over they weren't weren't going to let us come over there at all until it was finished so we they contacted us okay now you can come we went over and i I swear to God, every day the planes were flying over and bombing everywhere. They weren't bombing us because, you know, we're a bunch of doofuses in the desert. We didn't have anything they wanted, you know, but they were bombing the borders. And, and here's the best thing about that is when you do a film, the thing you hear the director say the most is action and cut, you know, to be to stop the scene well for her, for us, it was action, cut and hit the dirt. <laughs> <laughs> The jets were coming. You, know, you never know. They might 
some guy didn't oh what's going on down there he'd drop a bomb on us and who knows you know but we never had any problem at all but we could see the bombs exploding all over the place you know so that, that was a, a added craziness but that's what happened so now leanne granger that's my wife she grew up in the national ballet of canada dancing with Baryshnikov and Nureyev and you know, all of this classic ballet stuff. It's incredible. Me, a screaming rock and roll drummer from Texas. <laughs> what chance our family ever have crossed had we not been cast in that film? Think about that. Well, it was it was meant to be, obviously, all of this. I'm, I'm the most amazed human being in the world. So I, I, I got to tell you, uh, you are talking to the luckiest man alive, and I'm lucky to still be alive, even though I'm only 33. Uh, <laughs> I'm you, sorry, I can't help myself. Now, you were only 29 when you recorded, I mean, when you did Superstar, right? It was actually 28. Oh, 28. Getting, getting to be 29, yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's the miracle is I'm still 33. Yeah, you are. And it's, you're still, now, I mean, you're still representing. You're not, you're not doing any roles these days, are you? You're, you're still no. reprising the role from time to time? Yeah. I mean, I've done a lot of stuff, but I've, I've been doing this for 50 years now, literally. Now, I saw so, a number that said 1,700 performances, but I'm sure it's more than that. Oh, yeah. That was, that was years ago. <laughs> <laughs> So, so the bottom line, and, and you know, I've never once been bored on stage. It, every time I get a chance to do this, it's like the first time all over again because, mm -hmm. of, the, because of what happens. And it's just, it's unbelievable, literally unbelievable it's... how great this show is. And especially when Carl and I were doing it together, and Yvonne Elliman, yeah, and Barry Denham, <laughs> Josh Mostel. He was great as Herod. That, that, was, that role is pri as priceless. That whole scene, the Herod on the pool is priceless. That's, yeah. Okay, there's, that's a good example. That's the, that's the only thing that the crew had to build. Everything else you saw was authentic. The crew built that moat and put it on the Dead Sea. You know, but everything else, every scene, every visual that's there. Norman Jewison was over there for almost six months before we went over, finding locations to do what he wanted to do. And you know, he he wrote the screenplay for this as well mm -hmm. from Tim Ricks. So it, 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 that's why it was the way you said in, when we first started talking. The way it turned out to be the way it was is he he didn't go in and do Bible research. He went and he literally analyzed every word in the lyrics of Tim Rice's story, so to speak, made that the story of the movie, the songs, because that's what it was, all songs, you right. see. He was brilliant the way he made us do what we did, because everybody in that movie was unknown except for Barry Denon, and he he had done Fiddler on the Roof with Norman. All, all the rest of us were complete unknown, and he wanted it that way, and he told us, because when Carl and I did our screen test, he said, when I watched that screen test, I saw something in the two of you that I didn't hadn't seen in any of the professional actors, which was a natural human friendship. Right. And he said that to be so apparent. He says, not that the actors couldn't create that, but you guys already had it. And he said, so I kept watching to see what I would maybe do with what you guys did for my screen test. And he said, as I watched it, the more I watched it, the more I realized that my idea of having major stars as the actors in the movie, that people would be watching major stars play the characters. Mm. And suddenly, if you they were unknown like you guys they might have a closer relationship to the real people so they were looking at maybe jesus and judas the way they were so he cast the entire company that's enough 
It worked beautifully. I mean, there is not oh, a rule yeah. in there that does not work. I mean, it's amazing. Yeah. How about this one? One thing I'll say for him, Jesus is cool. How oh, I love one? that. That is that that guy is that even the even the people I've seen re try to recreate that part, they've never got the richness of that bass. Nope. But I must tell you, I, I spent <laughs> ready for another story. That's fine. It's what we're here for. <laughs> Because again, all by accident, by blah, blah, blah. I got a call. This was in 2014. I got a call from a theater director in Rome, Italy, saying, Ted, um, we're about to celebrate our 25th anniversary of doing Jesus Christ Superstar every year at Easter and Christmas. And he said, it would honor us if you would come over and play your role in this and I, at the moment he said that, I wanted to go, I'll be right there. Because <laughs> I'd been to Rome and I wanted to be great. But I, I was trying to be professional and say, well, uh, <laughs> with my agent and, and I'll look at my schedule and uh, uh, when would you need me? And he said, well, I'm, I'm not sure yet, but I, I, I'll let you know. I said, well, then uh, can you let me know what it is that uh, you would want me to be there for how long, so on and so forth. He said, well, I would need you for a, a four-week rehearsal and a six-week run. And he said, I'll get back to you as soon as possible uh, so to let you know the schedule and all that. He said, but are you interested? And I wanted <laughs> to say, I'll be there in five minutes. But I said, oh, yes, sir, absolutely. Just let me know. Okay, anyway, long story getting longer. He brought us over there, and it was planning for that four-week rehearsal and that six-week run. Guess how long that six-week run actually ran? Years. Five and a half years. Wow. <laughs> Five and a half years. So you got to spend all that much time over, over there. All over Italy and then uh, and then one day I, <laughs> this this was after the like the third month of it, you know. And I said, Can we have a conversation? We said it, it his name <laughs> he, he was a great director as to what point I'm trying to make. And his name is Massimo Romeo Piparo. That's the man's name. And he he was great. So I said, Massimo, you could consider taking this to other countries? He said, No, no, Ted, the people just don't like Italian productions. I, I almost fell off my chair, but I said, Massimo, this this show has fans around the world, okay? Mm. In English. So <laughs> he said, Well, you got a point there. Um, I said, you will let me make, make a couple of calls. And so I did. I knew some people in the Netherlands and I called and they went, yes, definitely. So the first place we took it out of Italy was into the Netherlands and it was monstrously successful there as well. Anyway, so the fact I'm trying to say here is <laughs> imagine, if you will, have you ever been to Rome? No. Would you like to maybe go someday? It would be nice. Yeah. Okay. If I could set up something that you could play Mary Magdalene in the show, would you go? <laughs> I, I don't think I could do her part. <laughs> so again, that was all by accident. Okay, right. there, there was no agent stuff involved at all. He called me directly and said, "I need you to come over here." And I took my daughter with me. She became my secretary and my spokesperson and handled the merchandise because she was brilliant on the computer. You know, now she works in the theater here in California because she had time in Rome you know, doing the show. So oh. uh, anyway, I, I, forgive me, man, for doing all this stuff. But I just want to you, you have such a great personality and you're <laughs> laughing and all that. And I feel comfortable. So forgive for you. No, no, I, I'm enjoying this thoroughly. I mean, this is great. I, I, I'm really, <laughs> you know, you were talking about unknowns working with it. But it's kind of funny because two of the names I saw that you actually performed were with Dennis DeYoung and Jack Black as. Oh, yeah. 
That I I didn't know. I had never seen that Dennis DeYoung played pilot before. Which yeah, well, nobody else had either. <laughs> and same way with Jack Black. You know, yeah. I was a fundraiser in in Hollywood for a local theater there, and uh, it was amazing. I mean, every night that we played it, we were only there for a week, but every night we played it, it was filled with movie stars and singers and musicians and politicians and all that. It just it was, and they raised a ton of money. I'm sure. So, it was great. The one with Dennis DeYoung was one of our national tours. I, I'm, su I'm surprised I didn't see that one. I, I, maybe it didn't come to Rhode Island. It's possible. Maybe it was well, one of Well, the... I, I, I got to tell you, every time we did one, it, it ran for ages. You yeah, know? I know. I've, I've, like I said, I've seen it. I've, I think I've seen it every time it's come through. I mean, I, the first time I ever saw Jesus Christ Superstar was back in the 70s, and it wasn't even, it was just done uh, vocally, it wasn't even acted out. Really, it was done like as a chorus. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. It was. Like, it, was a, it was. It was a concert, basically. Right. Yeah, it was. And actually, you want to know something funny? Is a friend of mine has a band about ten years ago, and he's done this a few times. He put together a, a version of Jesus Christ Superstar where they did it as like a performance, as like a rock band performance, and it was amazing. It was really yeah. amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that music is incredible. And you know, he nails and it, it. He he nails it. He's a guitar player, and his band. I mean, he just does a great job with it. It's amazing. Incredible. Does he still do it? Um, he he brings it up from time to time. It's just you have to get so many people together for it. I mean, you have to get all the yeah, rights cast and stuff. And was he have? Did he have any trouble getting the rights to do it? I don't think so. I well, hopefully, you got the rights. <laughs> Yeah, I will well, tell you what it was in case somebody's listening and they want to know about that. But he just, you know, was it done in a nightclub for a couple of nights and it was fun. Oh, was... oh yeah, that's that's cool. Uh, I, I thought you meant they were doing it actually in the theater and this, you know. But the reason I'm asking you that is uh, it's almost impossible to get the rights anymore. Oh really? Uh, that show you said you saw that recently, fairly recently, that didn't quite perform the way he should. That's at Andrew Lloyd Webber's production. Really? Yeah, he's producing it all over everywhere now, and he won't grant the rights to anybody else. If he's out with his tour, you don't get to do it. Well, and yeah, I can see that. I can't tell you how many people have called me from, especially in Europe, inviting me over to do the show again, and we talk about doing it, and the next thing you know, a week later, they call back and said, hey, he won't give us the rights. Wow. So what are you going to do? So let's, I, we, you know, we, we can, I don't want your life to be defined by this, but I mean, I'm, you've done other things too, which is interesting. And you've worked with all these other people. You've worked on project with Nigel Olson. You worked with Tina Turner, who just passed away last week. Richard yeah. Pryor, Richie Havens. I did a gig with Richie Havens back in the Kinks, Meatloaf, Robin Williams. I mean, you've done work with all these people. You've done projects. You've, you were other characters besides Jesus. She played Rasputin, which is kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell me about that show, the Rasputin well, show. That was, that was actually an album designed by a friend of mine, uh, a show designed by a friend of mine that, that never got on the ground, so to speak. It, but the album was done. We did that together. And, you know, uh, also a thing called Ulysses, the Greek suite, you know. So, uh, but neither one of them happened, you know. Oh, it's just, a shame. It, it's not saying that it might happen one day with somehow we can put it together but the bottom line is it's just almost impossible sometimes you know to get backing for that sort of thing because mm. i've never heard of that so uh, yeah. but uh, i hope it does because the man who wrote them both is a genius you know he deserves the best and it just hasn't happened for him 
but I had a great time doing both of those things. Well, they sound cool. I mean, the Rasputin thing sounds really interesting. Because, I mean, yeah. Rasputin was a very interesting character. Betcha. And, and, and they thought that since I had played Jesus, that that might be a follow-up, you know. Mm. <laughs> Shall we say, establish that I'm not really Jesus. <laughs> I'm a... <laughs> I'm a screaming drummer from Texas who likes to sing stuff, you know. <laughs> now, have there been any, I mean, I know there's a lot of jokes that come around where people putting up pictures of, like, Kenny Kenny uh, logins on their wall and thinking that it's Jesus Christ. Have people done that to you where you've been mistaken as Jesus Christ in some, like, photos and, like, people worshipping your photos? Has that ever happened? Continually for 50 years. <laughs> And it's fun, you know, it's the, 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 the way the artists, you know, show that, so to speak, you know, it's part my face and part what people think Jesus' face, you know, or it's, it's Jesus and the devil in one face, or, you know, what are you going to do? But the fact is that they think I'm Jesus, you know, it's, and then when they find out I have a sense of humor, then it's great. <laughs> you have a great sense of humor, which is kind of funny because <laughs> you're totally the opposite of what I thought it was going to be. I was like, you know, because when I talk to people, I never know what they're going to be like. And sometimes they're like very, some people are like, it's, it's, you have to like drag the words out of them. And oh, really? Yeah, some people just don't like to talk very much. Some people do, and some people are just like, they're tough conversations, and you're just like watching the clock saying, oh, shit, I got to like drag <laughs> this out somehow. He's not even, it's like you ask him a question, it's like, yes, no, yes. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my gosh, how am I going to make this work? I'm just so amazed that, that you have the interest that you want to talk, you see. And oh, no, you shouldn't. I mean, you're just like, like I said, I have known about you since I was 12 years old, and I'm not like a, you know, I'm not like one of these rabid, crazy fans or something, but I just like, I mean, what you did in that role is something that nobody else could ever have done, and it's like, it's an honor for me to be able to talk to you, because it's oh, just, thank that, you. I mean, like I've seen, I, there are certain films that I've seen over and over again, and like I said, I'm not even religious to, at all, and I just love that movie, I love the way it's done, and the music, and it's just, it's an amazing piece of work, and the fact that you can still do it 50 years later just shows how amazing what you did was and it's just that for anybody not to recognize that is blind because it's just there are very few people in the world who can take a character make it their own and own it for their whole lives like that and i know that's a blessing and a curse but it's something that i'm sure that a lot of people are envious of the fact that you've been able to do that yeah i can't tell you how many actors that i've talked to over the years you know and people who are planning to maybe hopefully be an actor or singer or something or just like talking like you are about the fact that the miracle that it's lasted that long i mean the fact that any movie lasts that long but keep in mind that the, the downside of that is that that particular film because it was so successful and so indigenous to religion stopped me from doing a lot of films afterwards well i'm, I'm sure it did like i said that's the blessing and the curse of it but i mean i, yeah. I read that you were you had a cameo in django unchained which yeah which you know that's you know a cameo and you've been in a few other films but i i didn't really see a lot of other films but it, it, you've managed to survive and and thrive regardless of the fact that you've been kind of typecast which is unfortunate but you've, no, you've managed to, to spin it your in your favor which is you know i mean it's a good thing i guess 
And it's an incredible thing. I mean, there are fans for this all over the world. Right. I mean, that's... that's. I, are you familiar with a company called Cameo? Mm, I don't... What do they do? Actually, it's a company that uh, people... <laughs> they, they get people like myself who are in the industry uh, to sign on with them, and then they somehow reach out to the world, and people will contact them to get me and everybody else that's in Cameo to do, uh, literally, do a video. They'll send the, the Cameo what they want the guy to talk about, whether it's a birthday or a wedding or whatever it is, and you sit down and you answer their video and send it to them, and bingo. And I've been doing that now for quite a long time. <laughs> and, and I'm telling you, it's I get I get requests from all around the world. Wow, literally. That's but you mentioned, you mentioned one thing there that that I'm really happy to hear when you mentioned the cameo thing in Quentin's film. Uh, are you a Quentin Tarantino fan? Some, I mean, there's certain films in his I really like. Some of them are kind of off the off the wall. I mean, absolutely, yes. I yes. love I love Jackie Brown. That's that's one of my favorite yeah. movies. That's a great film. Uh, yeah. The, the Hateful Eight is pretty good. I mean, yeah, yeah I, I do like his stuff, but like I said, like, you know, some of it, he, like, he did one, it was uh, an homage to, like, 70s uh, Grindhouse movies. I didn't like that so much, but he, he, he's he got some good stuff. He's a, he's kind of a bizarre character, I think. He's, you know, I've seen yeah. interviews with him. He's a little off the wall. <laughs> Yes. Did you did you see Django Unchained? I did. Yes. Okay. Well, the reason I was in that is I have this. This goes back a long time ago. Uh, dear friends of mine were people who were making a, a great success out of doing commercials and uh, you know shooting commercials. Blah 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 blah. Well, uh, at the time uh, was the time when uh, the Rocky films were very very successful. Okay. Yeah. All right. Now, do you remember? Did you see the Rocky films? I did. Okay. Did you see the one where uh, and and forgive me, I can't think of his name, the actor's name, where the, the, the guy that Rocky was punching out all the time was uh, a gigantic, really tall uh, uh, Italian guy, I think. Uh, he, was a, he was a boxer in real life. Um, oh, God, I can't think of his name. Anyway, so they, they were making commercials for this guy who was doing his own product of something uh, and uh, they hired my buddies to shoot the commercials for him and it, he was there doing his stuff and all that and they called me one day on the set and said Ted uh, are you locked up busy this for the next say two weeks and I said well how much are you going to pay me <laughs> no, I, I said, well, no, what, what, what's going on with you? And they explained they were doing this commercial stuff. And they said, we've got a, a guy on the crew who's a brilliant crew guy, and he's got a great sense of humor, and everybody laughs at him. He said, but we can't keep him quiet while we're shooting a scene. He just doesn't understand he's in the back telling jokes to somebody. <laughs> and we don't want to fire him because he's really good. Would you mind coming on our set and becoming his buddy so you can sit with him and you and he can talk. And I said, well, I will do it if you will do this. He said, what? If you'll make two director's chairs and put his name on the back of one and my name on the other so we can have a, you know, a place to sit and talk, whisper while you're doing your stuff. Oh, great idea. So that's what he did. Okay. The guy they were talking about was Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> And that was when he was still a young pup, you know, <laughs> and he was incredible on the set. You know, he worked his buns off, you know, and everybody loved him. But he, no matter what was going on, if everybody was talking, you could hear Clinton talking over everybody else. I believe that just from the interviews I've seen with him. <laughs> 
one of the days when I actually had him calm when they were shooting the sequence, he whispered to me, hey, uh, we're going to be finished early today. Uh, would you like to come over and see where I work? And I said, I thought you worked here. He said, oh, yeah, I do this, but my real job, I'd like to take you over and show you what I do. And, okay, great. So I went with him. We went to a video store. <laughs> know how long ago that was yeah really that was a long time ago <laughs> we walked in when we walked in he in this monster store and had god knows how many films in there you know he said i just want you to know i've seen every one of these because i have a dream of someday i'd like to be a film director you know ah, great that's great okay <laughs> so i get a phone call hey ted remember me quentin yeah yeah it, i please Please consider the possibility of getting into this film I'm going to do soon, and that's how I got into it, you know. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> okay, so uh, on the set, every day when I was there, he would say, action, and we would do our scene. And the minute he said, cut, music would play from Superstar. <laughs> Blasting out in the desert, you know, wherever we were doing that stuff, you know. And the, literally, the crew and Quentin would not only sing along with it, they would even dance with it as well. <laughs> he was a major fan of Superstar. So that's that's how I got it still. That's so funny. So I, I right, if those guys hadn't have called me to come and sit with this guy, I wouldn't have been in Quentin's film. So it's been happening that way for me all my life. And I just, I'm the luckiest man alive. It's just incredible. It, it is amazing. I've never, had, and any, I, and never I, had any training, theater training or any of that well, at all. You, whatever you're, you just work. You're just natural at it. It just works. And I'm telling you, I, I've, I'm very honored to have had this time to speak with you. It's been so much fun, <laughs> so much fun talking to you. you I, I really would love the opportunity to see you in person because, I mean, like I said, I've seen you live before, but this, this conversation is, is, I've had a blast talking to you, and it's, just, you seem like such a cool guy. And we have a, a brand new digital remastered version of the film, both for sound and visuals. And the most beautiful print I've ever seen in my life. People go nuts because they see stuff they've never seen before. It was originally done in in Italy by a company called Elephant Films. Yeah, they were they got the rights to do this. And Frank, excuse me, I didn't tell you about Frank. Frank's my business partner. Frank's been with Metallica for 25 years. Okay? Metallica? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> you like Metallica? Uh, I, a little bit. Not one well, of my favorites, but I do like some of the stuff they've done. Yeah. I'm the same way, but the bottom line is he's been with them for 25 years. Wow. And he's been, he's a buddy of mine. You know, I met him when he was still like 11 years old with his mom. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, she came, I, I always talk to people after the show, you know, and I, I love doing that. And sometimes, like when I was in Rome, sometimes I'd be there till sunrise. Every, the next, <laughs> I'm serious. It's just the way it happens. So uh, we were up in San Francisco doing, and that's when Dennis DeYoung was in the show. They came in at, after the show and yeah, they come up one at a time and eventually up comes this nice lady with this little guy and the little guy is holding the soundtrack of Superstar you know like holding a baby in his arms you know it was so cute anyway so I said well may I ask uh, is that your album and the mom said I'll answer that for you he stole it from his sister <laughs> and he won't let anybody play it but himself and that was that was that was my man that is my partner and he's been he and i've been working together for years so the point i'm making is he's he's out with them now uh they're in uh what did he say he was let me see he's in the Ritz. you know where that is that's somewhere in russia 
Oh in, no! In, they're in one of those world tours. And oh, wow. he's, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, so <laughs> he and I have been doing this now for the screenings for almost twelve years, and it is amazing how people go nuts over this new version that we have. When he was with Metallica there ten, twelve years ago in a store, he, he's a collector, and he went into a store to get some st- collection stuff. And when he was walking out, he saw a, a display of albums, and one of them had a really unusual thing. It, it, it said Jesus Christ Superstar, so he just went over to look at it, and it was this particular version that they had gotten the rights to do for Italy. So we made a deal with them that they would do it for us, and they did, and the people just go nuts over this. The sound is magnificent, the visuals are beautiful, and it's. And here's the sad part about it, is the, the original uh, videos that were sent out by Universal Studios were, were made from a 35-millimeter print of the film. Norman Jewison shot it in 70-millimeter. Okay. Well, these guys got the 70 millimeter print from Universal and they printed it from that. So imagine the difference of the visual and the sound and all of that. Yeah, yeah. So what I'm saying is if you can come watch the movie again and see it from a different point of view and, and they come, some people come dressed in costumes. They always dance and sing along, you know, so it's a wonderful experience. You can go to my website, tednewy.com, and it'll tell you where we're going to be and when we're going to be there. All right, Ted, it's been really a pleasure. My pleasure talking with you. Um, I look forward to it, and uh, I hope I'll see you. I'm really looking forward to it. All right. be watching out my window and seeing anybody looks like this guy that I was talking to. Of course, I don't look, but if you're a guitar player, I have to recognize you. <laughs> well, it's a pleasure. Thank you very much. Thanks a million, man. Thank you. Okie dokie. Thanks to Ted Neely for being part of this episode of the Roots Report podcast. Ted Neely will be at the Greenwich Odium on June 24th when he and other cast members from Jesus Christ Superstar host a 50th anniversary screening conversation and meet and greet. To find out what's the buzz, get over to GreenwichOdium.com. The Roots Report podcast is presented by Motif Magazine and sponsored by Providence Brewing Company, Rhode Island Blood Center, Providence Ballet Theater, Jane Addams Resource Corporation, Trinity Brewhouse, and Mother Earth Wellness. Thanks for listening. Thank you.